Preface of Wessex Tales This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tyg Hines Wessex Tales by Thomas Hardy Preface an apology is perhaps needed for the neglect of contrast which is shown by presenting two consecutive stories of hangmen in such a small collection as the following. But in the neighbourhood of county towns tales of executions used to form a large portion of the local traditions, and though never personally acquainted with any chief operator at such scenes, the writer of these pages had, as a boy, the privilege of being on speaking terms with a man who applied for the office, and who sank into an incurable melancholy because he failed to get it, some slight mitigation of his grief being to dwell upon striking episodes in the lives of those happier ones who had held it with success and renown. His tale of disappointment used to cause some wonder why his ambition should have taken such an unfortunate form, but its nobleness was never questioned. In those days, too, there was still living an old woman who, for the cure of some eating disease, had been taken in her youth to have her blood turned by a convict's corpse, in the manner described in the withered arm. Since writing this story some years ago, I have been reminded by an aged friend who knew Rhoda Brook that, in relating her dream, my forgetfulness has weakened the facts out of which the tale grew. In reality, it was while lying down on a hot afternoon that the incubus oppressed her and she flung it off, with the results upon the body of the original as described. To my mind, the occurrence of such a vision in the daytime is more impressive than if it had happened in a midnight dream. Readers are therefore asked to correct this misrelation, which affords an instance of how our imperfect memories insensibly formalize the fresh originality of living fact from whose shape they slowly depart, as machine-made castings depart by degrees from the sharp handwork of the mould. Among the many devices for concealing smuggled goods in caves and pits of the earth, that of planting an apple-tree in a tray or box which was placed over the mouth of the pit is, I believe, unique, and is detailed in one of the tales precisely as described by an old carrier of tubs, a man who was afterwards in my father's employ for over thirty years. I never gathered from his reminiscences what means were adopted for lifting the tree, which, with its roots, earth, and receptacle, must have been of considerable weight. There is no doubt, however, that the thing was done through many years. My informant often spoke, too, of the horribly suffocating sensation produced by the pair of spirit-tubs slung upon the chest and back, after stumbling with the burden of them for several miles inland over a rough country and in darkness. He said that though years of his youth and young manhood were spent in this irregular business, his profits from the same, taken altogether, did not average the wage he might have earned in a steady employment, whilst the fatigues and risks were excessive. I may add that the first story in the series turns upon a physical possibility that may attach to women of imaginative temperament, and that is well supported by the experiences of medical men and other observers of such manifestations. Thomas Hardy April 1896 End of Preface